Welcome back to the Salt of Lot podcast. Three ladies with more salt than Lot's wife deconstructing and discussing problems in the conservative evangelical Christian church in America. So today we're starting in on a few episodes discussing sexual assault and predation in the conservative evangelical church of America. That definitely involves a trigger warning. Um, this episode is going to cover, it's, it's going to cover disturbing material. Sexual assault is just disturbing. So take your time, take breaks, or maybe don't listen to this one. Uh, and our general disclaimer, we do cover distressing topics. Please listen carefully and take care of yourself. We are also learning. Please have grace with us when we say something poorly, make mistakes. We are open to correction on this journey and invite you along with us. Hello, I'm Liz. I'm deconstructing from the independent fundamental Baptist in my childhood and later the Presbyterian Church of America in my teens and early adulthood. And now I'm currently attending an e-free um, non-denominational non confessional church. I'm Yael. I'm deconstructing from the Assemblies of God uh, group organization and then later the messianic movement. I'm now practicing Judaism and I do not have a synagogue just yet. Melissa, I'm deconstructing from Baptist slash non-denominational and I am now a baby Episcopalian. Okay, so this is a big topic. I wish it was a little topic. Um, sexual assault. Sexual assault is terrifyingly pervasive in the evangelical Christian church. I remember in like the '90s or the '80s, whenever it was when the news started to break about the uh, sexual predation uh, in the Catholic church. And I remember the self-righteous attitude that evangelicals took on, at least the circles I was in, um, basically being like, see, this proves that Catholics aren't really Christians. And it was very interesting because they were basically there were people calling for the complete disbanding of the Catholic Church, um, that these priests should never have been moved to different, not synagogues. That's the last word that you said, Yael. And now I'm like, it's not a synagogue, but uh, provinces, churches, districts, different parishes. places, parishes. For the Catholics, That's a right? Word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's also the Episcopalians, but. I'm just a baby, so what do I know? Uh, and it was, and now with just this continued revelation going on, it's continuous. I'm, I'm stunned. Well, not anymore. I'm not stunned anymore. I'm just kind of resigned. <laughs> uh, but the hypocrisy. I can't even, I can't, I can't even, I, I can't. Oh, mm. It's, it's a whole thing, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like, I don't know if it's getting worse. Worse is in a word. I don't know if, um, but I'm going to use it anyway. I don't know if it's worse now, more worse, whatever, or if it just seems like there's more because we have social media, like, you know, now we find out a lot about this stuff on Twitter, whereas, you know, before it was a bit easier to hide from like the news and everything, especially if like a local news source did it, you know, not local news is going to be like, you know, all over like Good Morning America or CNN and all that. But now that we have Twitter, especially, I see more things on Twitter about this topic in the conservative evangelical church than I see on like Facebook and YouTube and all that. More power to you. I cannot stand the Twitterverse. Like I have not been on Twitter in years. Well, we have a Twitter account, so I guess I'll be the one running it. 
I don't want to like say it. Twitter. <laughs> oh gosh, like I'll say stuff. I just don't want to like see people be mean back at me. Oh yeah. Well then just block your accounts. That way, you know, only the ones you want to see will see it. Nobody interacts with me and I get bored. <laughs> We are not the same. I, I go for fights on Twitter. I'm like, who am I, I going to fight today? <laughs> oh. Yeah, so I, I was, I was, as I was thinking about this, like, I was struck that with the contrast um, of what was, what the evangelicals were calling for when it, the uh, sex abuse came out about the Catholic Church versus what they're actively practicing right now. <laughs> Right, what was it? They were calling for the Pope to resign and they're calling for the Archbishop to resign. Is that who? I just know that they were wanting all these big men in leadership to resign, but yet like the SBC, all those big men in leadership are still in leadership, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, even the thing that gets me is the constant rallying cry of cover it up so you don't hurt the ministry. Mm -hmm. As if what's hurting the ministry isn't the sexual abuse in the first place. I, 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 yeah, no, I agree. I was told that um, this is the year 2022 um let's see how old I think yeah August 2013 I was at an assemblies of God campground and was sexually assaulted and by the time we told everybody the head leader of like the AG in Arkansas told me and my parents to shut up it never happened maybe it did bet she was asking for it maybe it wasn't sexual assault and she feels guilty so now she's claiming sexual assault and they did nothing and they covered it up and they covered it up and I got mad and fed up and we all left and then after we left some other friends of ours left because they found out at their church there was a registered child sex offender working as a church uh, as a kid's pastor and they were just like, do you not see? Yeah, they were like, do you not see the issue with that? And they're like, it's okay, you know, he's changed. And my dad's like, I don't care if he's changed. He should not be in charge of kids, you know? That's right. He was like, he's a grace does not cover this yet. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he could be forgiven, but get him away from kids to protect them. Because how many people yes. have changed and they keep going back to that same cycle? Yes, like I really believe that one of the core um pillars of true repentance to use like a very christiany term is a willingness to take the consequences for the shit you did like if you're not willing to and you can be sad about it like nobody likes consequences consequences are terrible but if you're not willing to accept the fact that now maybe you're not in someone's life anymore because of what you did, or you don't get to work around children anymore because you proved yourself to be an unsafe person, or you do not get to be in church leadership at all because you raped somebody. If you aren't willing to accept the consequences for your actions, you are not actually sorry. So and so often, like, we pressure the victims to make nice so that we can be comfortable and not have to go through the very painful process of holding someone accountable. Like, it sucks. It's, it's very uncomfortable. I hate the word nice. I used to use it a lot. Like, I'm a nice girl. I want to be a nice person. The word I use now is kind. Because kind has a different connotation. Kindness is not afraid to make waves. I mean, I kind of stopped using that um, and literally insert any other thing. Like, you know, just, are they a just person? Are they a fair person? 
are they a trustworthy person, you know, insert nice with just change it out with any other word that you should already be. Like, so I think part of the problem why I believe that part of the problem by sexual abuse is so rampant right now in all these evangelical spaces is a really dreadful combo of systems that have been put in place and theology very inappropriate theology about women um and this idea that we have to somehow protect Jesus and protect the church by making sure nobody knows that the church is full of terrible people. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's not a bug. It's a feature. <laughs> but I was thinking about <laughs> uh, your conversation with your dad, Liz, about Ravi Zacharias. Yeah. Yeah, because he didn't realize the, the depth of the and scope of the abuse. And so he just thought it was like a one night stand with a hooker or, you know, like, oh, yeah, he cheated on his wife. But, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal, even though, you know, like cheating on your spouse is like a massively huge deal. OK, like you have destroyed their trust. You have destroyed that covenant. Um, but he, he didn't, re he just genuinely didn't realize, um, the depth of it. And it was also kind of weird in a sense, because he was like, oh, well, he was mostly a good guy. I'm like, no, dad, he was running a spa. He was running a sex ring. He was basically for all intents and purposes, trafficking women and sexually abusing them, assaulting them and raping them. And I'm kind of like, in a sense you need to have this almost like sliding scale of sin and then on the other hand it's like why do we have a sliding scale on sin like oh a random one where you destroy the trust of your spouse and you destroy the covenant of marriage that you share with your spouse that's okay or it's not as bad as repeatedly offending against your spouse and repeatedly trafficking these girls and repeatedly sexually assaulting them and raping them and everything and it's it's like okay well there is you know the repeat part where it's like oh well it was a one-time thing that's not as bad as you know every Tuesday you're gonna go do the sin but at the same time it's still like why do we have this sliding scale on sin where it's like oh well you know <sighs> the the covenant is totally destroyed but it's not as bad Oh, no. <laughs> there's nothing there so yeah I don't I don't understand and then also yeah like the grace and it's like oh well they're you know they're a changed person and you know like oh but for the grace of God go I and I forget where I forget where it was I hate that one somewhere, I hate that somewhere one. on Facebook it was probably in a group that you and I are in Melissa but I don't remember and they were talking about, um, I want to say they were talking about Josh Duggar and, and the child sexual um, abuse materials and, and stuff that he was caught with. And, Is this the chat? Uh, no, it wasn't a chat. It was like a okay. thread on Facebook. And, and they, okay. they were talking about like, oh yeah, I was talking to, I don't know, like insert mother-in-law or something about these things. And she was like oh well yes but all christians are you know but for the grace of god go i you know like any of us are susceptible to you know hiding massively inappropriate highly disturbing incredibly disgusting child abuse materials like but for the grace of god go i to child abuse materials and it's like and she retorted and she's like what would make you go to that yeah like, what like except for the grace of god but like how little of the grace of god would it take to get you to to go there like what would cause you to do that yeah and i'm like that's a really valid question because it's like oh well you know like but for the grace of god go i you know i would commit this sin too if it wasn't for the grace of god and it's like what on the earth would compel you and propel you 
into this sin that like it's such a responsibility free way of thinking and also like ludicrously inaccurate because if if truly but for the grace of god there go i then shouldn't everybody who is not a christian be doing those things and shouldn't <laughs> I mean, all of us before we like converted have done those things and we didn't you know like mm -hmm. We just didn't because <laughs> we're well, not stupid. Well, what gets me? Liz, I think it might be. Oh, go ahead. Like when Liz, when you're like, well, you know, that lady said, well, you know, all Christians, I'd have been like, okay, but not all Christians are watching horrendous videos. Like I have looked, I, I was a bit too curious and I found like detailed lists of every single thing that he was looking at like I saw the details of the videos that the jury the jury had to sit and watch and it is just I really hope they have therapy I do too it, it's beyond a spit mm -hmm. it is just it is horrendous and so I I don't know about you guys but all the people that I know whether they're Christians or they're pagan or they're this or they're that none of them would ever think about watching this they would be the first ones calling for justice for those children and I'm like and some of these are like good Christian people like the same ones that I'm sure that woman says she knows and I'm just like no they would be on the other side getting ready to stone someone to death for 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 this stuff so no they would never think of watching it yeah because it's <laughs> it's it's horrific I think as I'm like as we're talking I think I think it might stem from the doctrine of total depravity, which John Calvin, disclaimer, I am not a hecking Calvinist. Calvin and I are not friends. <laughs> Expanded to mean like there is not a single thing good about an unsaved person. Like, and I, I find that to be such a slander against the Imagideo. We are created in God's image, and that image may be corrupted, but it's still the image. It's not like a negative film exposure or something. And so if you are taking that, that theory of total depravity and then going, oh, so that means everything we all do is just completely horrible except for the grace of God, then yeah, all sin is equal. But all sin is not equal. It's just not. And this was a new thought for me when I started thinking it about a year ago. Um, and it, it was tied to the Josh Duggar case. Because <laughs> I, I really do not recommend going and finding out what he, what he was viewing. It is beyond horrific. All I did was read like the summary, not the details like you did, Yael. Whew, that was... That, that, that haunts me. I told my husband, he was like, why? I, no, stop telling me. And I was like, fine, I'll just go talk to you. I hope they understand me. <laughs> I cried. I cried so hard. That, the lack of just basic empathy is wild. But it, it all ties in too you know we have a whole ton of christian teachings in the evangelical church that all men lust and that sex is a actual need for them like if i don't have sex i'll die kind of need which is ridiculous you know it's really really fascinating to me about that concept of sex is a need is that in in psychology there's the maslow's hierarchy of needs and at the bottom is like the most rudimentary like food water shelter those kinds of things and then there's like you know hierarchies and they get more and more important and what's really, really fascinating to me is that Christians are like, ooh, don't follow pop psychology and don't follow Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a theory. Um, it hasn't been proven as a law, but we do know that certain elements of it do hold true a lot of the time. So there's that. 
but Maslow's hierarchy of needs puts sex in the bottom need category. Humans need sex. And Christians are like, oh, you can't follow psychology and you can't follow Maslow's hierarchy of needs and sex is not a need. And then they turn around and write marriage books and relationship books and articles and have whole ministries built around sex is a need. And I'm like, just for men it's like, only a need for men we have to be very very clear about that oh that's true too <laughs> yes yes only yes only for men um and only for married men so maybe that's like part of the part of the thing too is you know maslow doesn't really you know he's like maslow's just like this is a need a human need for all humans regardless of i don't know like relationship status and stuff and christian's like oh well it's it's a need, but only for married men. I don't know, but. So if you get into enough of the, I, I really don't want to call them fringe because I know, I personally know people who follow these teachings, who follow these teachers, who believe what they say and repost their stuff. And I am horrified. But there are teachers like Doug Wilson who and, and websites for Christians who preach that it is such a need for men that's why they need to get married young to these barely age eligible girls before they even have a chance to like consent appropriately or properly because you know you gotta you gotta get that penis into something you gotta get going otherwise you're gonna <laughs> wither and die yes just terrible but you know when you have that mentality that sex is a need that you have a a a right to it especially when it's paired with all the teachings about oh women watch out what you wear because while it's not really your fault if your brother sins you're absolutely a hundred percent tempting him to lust like the devil you are you know, and then they can blame their lust. They can export everything from their outside of their own personal responsibility and not have to deal with themselves. And it's horrific. I just, talking about this, I just remembered that, uh, and we're going to have to look up to get the details right, but that uh, shooting several years ago where some Christian dude went into a was it a Korean massage parlor? Um, hold on. <laughs> he went in there. I, and he I shot. think I think it was Korean, but it might have been Vietnamese. Uh, it just says Asian spa killings, Atlanta spa shooting. That was last year. No, wait, that was yeah, only was, last. There was one year? 2020, and then there was. Hold on. Let me, yeah, March 16, 2021, a shooting spree occurred at three spas or massage parlors in Atlanta, Georgia. Eight people were killed, six of whom were Asian women, and one other person was wounded. Uh, he's motivated by a sexual addiction that was at odds with his Christianity, for which he had spent time in an evangelical treatment clinic. Josh Duggar spent time in an evangelical treatment clinic. I think this is one of those times where, you know, um, for real licensed professionals, you <laughs> go to them. You don't go to a pastor to pray the sin away. That's like, you don't go, I was just you listening can't to pray you. the gay away. You can't pray the sexual assault away. You can't pray the murder away. You can't pray the pornography away. Come on, guys. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> uh, are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure we've got like 20 or 30 years of, of this mentality of pray it away that definitely right. has not worked. You know, it reminds me of like, <laughs> you know, when you're playing hide and seek with like a two or three year old and they stand in the corner and they just cover their eyes. <laughs> because they can't see you so as long as they can't see you you don't exist you know that's what the church the 
evangelical church does with this. They're just like, oh, mm-hmm. sexual assault. I don't see it. It's like, remove your hand and you will. <laughs> but oh. they have like, they have no concept of, of permanency when it comes to any of that stuff. No, not at and, all. And they're like, oh, well, if we, if we don't know about it, then it's not there. Yes. It, it, like, just, if we don't know about it, it's not, it's like, no, it's, it's still there. Permanency yeah. is a thing. I'm so happy you said that, Liz. So I've been looking through the SVC document. I'm on page six so far, <laughs> but in my notes, in my notes, hold on, hold on, hold on. Crap. Give me a second. <laughs> I wrote no so many notes. Oh, excerpt from page five of the SVC document that I will link. In a May 2019 email to Dr. Ronnie Floyd, the then EC president, um, and EC Vice President Dr. Roger Singh Oldham acknowledged that for the past decade, I have been regularly sending Augie news reports of Baptist ministers who are arrested for sexual abuse for his awareness. It hasn't slowed down since the Houston Chronicle ar- articles started on February 10th. Mr. Butter responded with, yes, we are collecting them and may even post them in some way but we'd have to really examine the potential liabilities that would stem there from. These reports are all more than 10 years old. They keep names. They keep um, names of the churches. They keep if you're still in the SBC. They keep what church in the SBC you are. They keep um, uh, if you have left the SBC. And from that list of over 10 years, there are over 703 names of abusers on that list. 409 of them were affiliated with SBC at some point. Nine people on this list remain active in ministry, two in an SBC church and seven in a non-SBC church. They have known about this and they didn't want to say anything because what's the legal liability? There's going to be lawsuits. We can't do this. And so if I ever hear one more person say, well, they didn't know, they have admitted they have a list and nothing get, can, you can never delete anything from a computer. It is always there. They have a list. Oh, good. I haven't <laughs> lost my novel. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Oof. yeah, it's horrifying. It's horrifying. Um. And I think it's interesting that their knee-jerk reaction is to protect their assets and not, let's examine and consider how many people are being endangered. Which feels what really, matters. really weird because at the, in the, at the same exact time, they're going to be like, well, we need to be discerning and we need to be examining and we need to be evaluating. And then they turn around and they're like, oh, examine or evaluate or discern that. And it's not like you actually need to evaluate or discern because how many, how many victims are speaking up and screaming mm-hmm. at the top of their lungs? It's like, well, we just don't know. We think, you know. It's not actually about like discernment. It's about self-protection, protecting the power, protecting their income, protecting their, it's not even about protecting the ministry. Cause like, if you are a Christian, you're supposed to believe, I hate using that word, but I'm gonna use that. You're, you, you're supposed to believe that God's church is not gonna be uprooted because you know god is all powerful but oh horrors a lawsuit is gonna uproot this church we better make sure everybody stays quiet about it we can't have people thinking we're like those catholics mm-hmm. <sighs> or um just to get you guys even more mad um <laughs> mr boto i have no i do not know what these men look like and I'm sorry to anybody who this may offend, but the picture in my mind is I'm seeing old, overweight, white, sweaty men. 
I don't know why, but that's the mental image I have. <laughs> Just but they that. definitely have smoking hot wives. <laughs> Who have had work done. But, anyway. <laughs> but this thing says, this, this is what Mr. Bodo has said. He is equated to focus on sexual abuse is the same as the work of the devil. This whole thing should be seen for what it is. It is a satanic scheme to completely distract us from evangelism. That's exactly what he said. Uh, um, it is not the gospel. It is not even a part of the gospel. It is a misdirection play. Yes, Krista, Krista Brown, one of the survivors, and Rachel Den Hollander, a survivor advocate, have succumbed to an availability um, because of their victimizations. They have gone to the SBC looking for sexual abuse. And of course, they found it. Their outcries have certainly but they called... shouldn't have been able to find it. Sorry. Right. No, you're fine. Their outcries, outcries have certainly caused an availability cascade, just like Lois Gibbs did in the Love, uh, Love Canal example. But they are not to blame. This is the devil being temporarily successful. No, I'll tell you when the devil was temporarily successful, and it was not temporary. It's all this success he had and having all these men decide, you know what? I have power, I have authority, and I have a penis, and I can do what I want. But I'm like... That's just, the just, issue. And what kills me is these same men are going, well, we didn't know, we didn't know. And there are, in this document, there are excerpts of emails they have sent to each other proving that they did know they know what this is they know they're blaming the victims and they know they're harming the victims they don't care they don't yeah. care they don't care but see the thing is i think part of it is because what is a woman is a woman even human in the same way that a man is human theologically to these people and no she's not um women are lesser i don't care how many times you want to try to tell me that different doesn't mean unequal it does it absolutely does that's that's the same argument that that they were putting out about um in the civil rights movement well equal access just means you know equal different is equal different can be equal no no it's it's horrific it's horrific and i feel no i'm in the south um and from what i have seen here the whole women are second-class citizens is a real big thing in the evangelical church in my area. They don't outright say it, but they teach it and they preach it in a roundabout way. You know, um, I told everybody that I was going to go to school after I finished high, um, high school. And they're just like, no, you just need to settle down and find a husband, and have kids, and live the life God wants you to, and they tell this to every single woman. I know so many 18-year-olds who have gotten married, and they're now my age, and they've had like five kids, and they're not happy, and their husbands do not help around the house, and they're expected to have boys, because you know, you want boys, you don't want girls, and they lead. And you can very, totally control that with your uterus. Yeah. And they lead very miserable <laughs> lives, but they think, you know, they're like, well, I know I'm miserable, but this is what God has in store for me. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. So, so much oppression and deep sadness and living burials have happened because of the teaching to women that this is what God wants for you. And it's no wonder then that when they get married they settle for men who also just want misery for them you know jordan and i were talking about this the other morning like 
I had a very short list of marital requirements. And the second one was he has to know that it is his job to love me like Jesus loves me. And I had a very clear picture about how Jesus loved me. And it does not include giving up my personality, giving up my wants, desires, and dreams. He made me the way I am because he likes it like that. Scripture says that God sings over us, that we're delighted in, that he loves us, you know, and we're all meant to be unique. I have four cats. They're all wildly different from each other. But why? Well, I know why, but we all have this concept that women have to be the same. Why? Because they are not fully human. Women are not fully human in the church. They are defined by their role as help me. Ooh, I hate that word so much. You know? <laughs> and we are, we're not to cross outside the boundaries of that role. You know, everything that you could be, all your potentials, all of this glorious Eunice that God stuffed into you that doesn't matter what matters is are you quiet are you good are you submissive can you make a decent casserole and are you good in bed but just to your husband and remember you're not really supposed to like sex just like with your husband make sure that he thinks that you really like sex with him so that he feels good with his his ego well maybe if he got good at sex like I think for me as a Jew, I get so irritated that the Proverbs 31 woman, that chapter is taken wildly out of context, you know, in the evangelical church, they ignore the fact that she has a job. She is a merchant of purple cloth, which historically has always been a very rich industry. You know, only certain people could be at the level to where they make and sell purple cloth, which means she was over her employees you know, she was over her employees. She also was over her home. She ran her home and her business. And I want to pull this up because you're talking about, you know, women should be meek and submissive. So in Judaism, um, some of your uh, religious Jews on Friday night, uh, the husband will sing the song called the woman of valor over his wife, basically praising her for everything she does. You know, that she handles the finances and she takes care of the home and she, you know, she works and she provides and she does all this incredible stuff. And she is still, you know, number one, she still keeps her family first, no matter what. But something that's really interesting is, you know, people would be like, oh, woman of valor, that's so sweet. She's such a sweet lady. But valor, the Hebrew word for val valor can also mean soldier. And a soldier is not a weak person or a submissive in the way that the evangelicals won't. You know, a soldier is someone, yeah, uh, I'm taking this from my Jewish learning. Valor, or let's say, soldier must be someone with strength of mind and spirit who can encounter danger with firm, firmness and bravery. But more so, a soldier strives to win a battle while balancing their own needs and those of others. And I'm just like, well, maybe if we taught our women this in the evangelical church, you know, you would. I love I got distracted. <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, I, I was totally thrilled while you were reading that. That is, that is so exciting. That is something that I resonate with deeply. Um, just, yeah, like. And from my understanding, the word Aitzer, which is the word used to, that's translated as help me. All the rest of the times that it's used, and I think the Hebrew scriptures, um, it's referring to like military help coming to rescue someone who was in over their head. It's not about, uh, so when Jordan and I were dating, we went and visited his church. And I about had an aneurysm. And if, if, 
if this was now, if this we'd gone to now and heard this sermon now, I guarantee you, I would have, I would have stood up and just like said something. So this pastor was going on about, you know, men and women and, you know, women, you're not lesser. We men need you because here are the two reasons that he gave why men need women as help meets. One, men don't have a fashion to know how to dress themselves. And two, men don't understand how often they need to change their sheets. Mm. Ew, just ew. What? I am not my husband's personal style assistant. <laughs> and I'm kind of sort of terrible at changing the sheets. So <laughs> I guess I'm a terrible wife now. I don't know. Like, <laughs> what? Well, you just, just ruined everything, Liz. Been, <laughs> as if my husband wasn't dressing himself. Like, what was my husband doing before he was married? Was his mama dressing him? What was he's he doing running he was around, living on his own? Yes. He's running around butt naked. <laughs> <laughs> he showed up to work butt naked like, I'm here, still not married. Oh my gosh. It's so that's, how you, that's how you know when, when a man is married as he, as he puts on clothes. <laughs> that's what it sounds like i'm like okay well um that would be very awkward to show up at work and see you know a whole bunch of naked men yeah. like oh my lord <laughs> well i'm thinking about thinking about all the different industries my husband is working that's just like a safety thing construction like, it's a safety thing that he wears jeans and heavy clothes and you know and also like he grew up in northern michigan so like he would have proposed it at that first winter like sorry dude bye oh my gosh he has a horrible sense of fashion like he needs a woman he has a horrible sense of, it's like what google that like just go just like watch queer eye i mean neither of those things Find neither a gay of friend. those things. That's right. <laughs> neither of those things. Neither of those things actually require like a set of talents and skills, other than like, hey Google, you know. Hey Google, like, um, does this bright orange shirt go well with these bright lime green pants? No. Okay. I mean, I like bright colors, but that that <laughs> seems a bit extreme. <laughs> But so, so as he's talking about that, you know, even then the women were just, are just so limited and reduced, just completely reduced. We're not human. We are scary. Well, you were talking about um, the Hebrew word for helpmate or help me. Yeah. Help me. Help yes. me. One of those. It's translated it's, as help me to the KJV. It is. Okay. So my Hebrew isn't the best. So bear with me. It's Itzer Kanak. Kanagdo. Um, Itzer means to rescue, to save, and to be strong. And it has been used the entire time it's been used in the Tanakh, which is your Old Testament. It is used 21 times. And of those 21 times, there's like three different categories or three different times. It is used for the woman, but it's also used for nations to whom Israel appealed to for military aid. And it is used for God as Israel's helper. But then the word konegdo, for any of my Jewish friends out there, I'm so sorry. Um, it means opposite as to him or corresponding as to him. A woman is no better or less than the man. Man and woman are equally and uniquely created. But yeah, it does mean uh, the word itzer is warrior. So you are a warrior that is created at an equal place as the man. So I really do not understand how you get help help meet from help meet yeah m e e t okay partly because it's the KJV which was written hundreds of years ago and fashioned by a very very gay king but yeah so do you have two different times <laughs> where woman is a warrior not a little meek submissive person I just proved it yeah. <laughs> Well, and part of that submissiveness is just straight up control and manipulation. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my goodness. 
the the level of manipulation quote unquote required to be submissive is disgusting it's absolutely disgusting like to read a book about like how to be a submissive wife it's literally literally it, you could just tagline it as how to manipulate your husband like it's disgusting and it's not how adults should treat each other oh isn't it it's not how kids should treat yeah. each other either but like full-grown adults with like fully developed brains in the whole nine yards like adults should not be treating each other that way if you read a book about like how to be a good employee and then it was like how to manipulate your boss like I don't think you'd be going very far in that company (laughs) was it one of you that was talking about this book where a woman essentially said just cry until you get your way I don't know but that that sounds like some some schemes that I've heard not of. me off the top of my head but that sounds totally someone legit book that she was reading <laughs> essentially it was cry and be all dramatic and pout or stamp your foot daintily and everything else until you get your daintily right. yes How do you stamp your foot daintily you go you go <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I'm five foot ten plus like, 300 plus pounds how do you stamp your foot da- I whatever whatever oh my gosh no yes just tap you tap your toe i don't know (laughs) i'm I'm imagining like just tapping your toe repeatedly like tap tap tap, like with your arms crossed (laughs) yeah (laughs) now i am a huge fan actually of crying but not to get what you want but to be truly vulnerable with your emotions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this mm-hmm. weird dichotomy where women are put in this position where we have to protect the men's emotions, their ego. So we can't actually like say anything directly or we have to figure out how to say it all palatable. So, so like, so completely smother the, the, the pill with honey that like you gag on it on the way down. Fine everything's fine i feel like well you know because i don't um i don't adhere to the new testament or anything but my family that does they have never once used the word submissive even like even the weddings i've been to like i was just in a wedding this past weekend for a friend of mine honor obey submit those were those three words not anywhere near their um wedding vows they said the exact same they said the exact same vow the exact same like word for word it was the same thing for each of them and I liked it because you know it's equal so it's not you know um they don't mind me saying their names so it's not Tyler you know this is this 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 and Stephanie oh wait you gotta submit first of all if you ever told Stephanie that I'm pretty sure she's she'd hit you um, <laughs> good girl but for them it was I promised to basically you know like I promised to keep us first keep each other first and to stay faithful to you that was basically it, it was I promised to you know love you stay with you no matter what and to only stay faithful to you and it was the exact same vow for each of them and I liked it because that's the first wedding I've been to that the vows for the wife were not slightly different than the ones that the husband said. So they were equal, the exact same thing. There wasn't an exception. Really? Yeah. It was really. I've. <laughs> we didn't hear I've never say been. Vows. I don't know if I've ever been. I've been to weddings where, where they do self written vows. And so mm-hmm. then each, each person individually, you know, makes their own promises unto the other person. But. I can't think of a wedding that I've ever been to where the vows weren't the exact same between them. If they were the prescriptive, you know, like dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Do you so and so husband? Vows were different, as you both know. (laughs) Yes. No, but I was. They did personal vows, but that was more like a private. That was just between the two of them during their first look, and they didn't go over the vows in the wedding rehearsal um mainly because I think it was hot so you know we're all standing up there I'm holding you know my bouquet the maid of honor's bouquet because the maid of honor is holding her bouquet and keeping the dress there and then all of a sudden we realized that the vows were the exact same word for word only thing different was you know instead of I Tyler to you Stephanie it was I Stephanie you know and I remember all the bridesmaids so we all just went hold up what and we were whispering you know like did they are those the same 
this is cool, you know, because it was just the first time that any of us have ever been to a wedding like that. And uh, I really liked it. Um, and I think that was, I think that is a better way because you're not, you know, marriage should be equal. And since those vows were equal, it kind of set the tone for, you know, marriage, it's, it's, you both are equal. And I feel like the vows were a woman, it has, you know, honor or obey or submit. It instills in that theology of you are less than. Well, apparently, according to the Gottman Institute on relationships, uh, if you practice, if you follow a model where one person has all the power in the relationship, and it doesn't really matter if they have all the power, but they only use it sometimes, like they still have the power, you know, they still mm -hmm. have it. Um, I have the power. I got the power. <laughs> you know, the marriage is seven times more likely to end in divorce. Mm -hmm. I believe it. You know, wow. and which, which circles back around to why is there so much sexual assault going on? And it's because of this theology and the systemic practices that say a man is, is a human, but a woman is to meet his needs. That just leads to entitlement, to power trips. And it's been, re it's, rape is not about sex. It is about power and domination. That is, has been, has become an established fact. We're gonna have to find a reference for that. And that's, I think the whole thing that's going on here, which is really ironic because in the Christian church, you're not supposed to go after power. Like Jesus explicitly says, you are to be a servant, not seeking to lord it over one another. Um, I'm going to wrap us up with a quote that I found. And I tried to find a reference for it, but it was a meme. So it's buried in the depths of the internet somewhere. And I gave my phone to the small child. So I'm just going to have to recall it from memory, um, rape is about violence, not sex. If someone hit you with a spade, you wouldn't call it gardening. This one really got good. deep real quick. It did get deep really quick. <laughs> <laughs> you took that spade and just like went for it, like 10 <laughs> feet down, like. Hey everyone, Editor Yael here. Just wanna come on and end this episode. As you can probably tell, we went off on a tangent and forgot how to end an episode. Tune in next week to where we continue our conversations about sexual assault in the CEC. We will be talking about um, hierarchy, the stay-at-home mom, the stay-at-home daughter movements in the CEC, and hopefully we won't get too far off on a tangent as we tend to do. But thank you for listening and come back next week.